This week, or really this month, PSG beat Marseille and Lille to set up a thrilling, infuriating draw with Napoli. Our Champions League future hangs in the balance. Cavani and Rabiot both dropped. Did the manager make the right call, and are they coming back anytime soon? Join us as we debrief over the soothing sounds of the PSG Monaco game. You can also listen to PSG Talk on Football Nation Radio at footballnationradio.com. FNR covers all aspects of football from all over the world, so tune in on their website and follow them on Twitter and Facebook. They're streaming 24-7 and love their football just as much as you do. Um, so we're coming to you live. It's me, Dave, and then we've got PSG tourist, Matt, and we've got Guillaume, a sort of smaller but very uh, very seasoned cast today. Um, and as we're doing this, it, we're about two minutes into the Monaco game, so those of, us, those of you asking us for a, a live cast are, are getting your wish in a, in a sort of roundabout way, although to be pre-Napoli, two weeks of football. Um, so away versus Marseille, 2-0. Draxler started in midfield, three at the back. Um, good play overall, unable to break through until Mbappe came on, and like two seconds after he entered the field, he makes the difference. Um, home game versus Lille, 2-1. Um, same thing, three at the back, Draxler in midfield, uh, I actually did not watch. I did couldn't watch the Lille game, so that's <laughs> comments on that one will be, have to be uh, go over to your hands. And then we end up with Napoli. Um, so we know how we lined up against Napoli. We know the formation. We know who was dropped. And Marseille and Lille were very much sort of the prototypes for that game. So how do how did those how did those league fixtures sort of portend uh, the result, the Champions League result? Uh, yeah, well, I think the Marseille game was uh, not one that will live in long in the memory in terms of its quality. <laughs> it was quite a bad game. Um, I think the interesting thing was through the, the sort of the main theme of the two league games as a sort of build up to the Champions League was the sort of Draxler uh, Verratti sort of um, central midfield duo, and obviously there was a lot of. Uh, you know, talk about Rabio in the last few weeks, as it always is about, you know, what his latest problem is. But I think um, we've seen sort of uh, potential of a good duo um, between Verratti and, uh, and and Draxler, particularly Draxler looking very at home in the sort of erstwhile, what you might have called the Rabio role. So I think that was really interesting. But um, I think if we're looking at the Marseille game first, there wasn't a uh, it wasn't it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a free flowing outstanding game so i think the things you can take for it is that we uh, we beat them again which is mm-hmm. is always enjoyable as far as i'm concerned i mean uh, it's a long while chaps isn't it 2011 uh, remember i think they beat us 3-0 <laughs> didn't they uh, back in the day and uh, yeah it's uh, they haven't done it again since so it's a shame um i think um in was really good as well i think we yes. looked a bit sort of un- under strength for the back didn't we and uh, that guy just seems to come in and uh, and be Fabulous. able to do a job anyway i'd say of the sort of three center backs he was probably the outstanding guy and um probably overall until mbappe's sort of very eye-catching uh cameo at the end i think he was probably the outstanding psg player so i think they were the two so that was the sort of the main things you could take from that one but um i don't know if you've got anything to add uh, guillaume well not really on the game itself but if um because david is asking if if we see 
to hell building something. And um, when you look at all three games, three, four, so the, the Marseille game, the Lille game, the Napoli game, and uh, the Monaco game right now, which actually uh, we just yeah, scored. Cavani just scored best goal celebration I've ever seen. What really stands out is we have, we have a coach. Um, we have a coach that makes most of, of the time excellent decisions. Um, so far, his big failure has been the first half uh, during Paris Saint-Germain-Napoli where he, he, got, he got everything wrong, corrected it in the second half. But he's doing the right choices. He's doing everything he can to compensate or like a, of midfield and really everything he can. And uh, the Marseille game, well, yeah, I mean, uh, once again, he didn't have much time with the players um, to change the, the tactics, the habits and the mentalities uh, in in such a, a small period, uh, is is it's you know it, it would take mag- magical powers, and he, he's not a magician. <laughs> but um, s- he seems to have the locker room behind him, which Emery didn't. And now you see players trying to accommodate his his demands, and and to ad- uh, adopt his football philosophy. And we never saw that with Emery, or very briefly, and then Emery went back to you know the four three three and gave up everything he he was standing for. Um, thank God for Tuchel, and and but let's get our hopes to a reasonable level. I mean, it was still yet again a work in progress, and the, the Marseille game we got dominated by by OM. They were playing without a real nine, which they don't have anyway. Um, but they, they crowded our midfield. And that's all it takes right now to dominate Paris Saint-Germain. doesn't mean that you're going to win the game, but you're going to probably dominate it. So, yeah, the game wasn't great. And then what we can add also is that um, Rabiot and, <laughs> and Mbappé were punished, remember? <laughs> so they were benched and then um, Mbappe gave the best answer he came in and, and changed the course of, of the game and, and here we are um, still undefeated since 2011 so that's, that's good but the game itself you know there will be uh, hopefully better OM Paris Saint-Germain in, in <laughs> the near future Benching of Mbappe and Rabio was really interesting to what you're saying, Guillaume, about Tuchel being a proper coach and seeming, at least at this point, to have a sort of semblance of control over the players. Because can you imagine Emery ever benching Mbappe? I mean, maybe at the start, but I just think it's unlikely that would ever have happened. So I think that was really good to see that he, you know, was going to say, oh, and it's 2-0 in the uh, Monaco game. Oh no, maybe not offside. Anyway, um, yeah, I think um, I think it's really good to show to see that he's not scared to do that. And obviously, like you say, it's worked at least in the short term because Mbappe came off the bench and, and gave the perfect answer. And I mean, what a goal that was! So, I mean, it was sort yeah. of reminiscent of. Uh, don't want to get too carried away. I got a bit carried away at the time, but Mariano. Sort of, but, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the first player that came to mind. But the second one was. Uh, 
uh, Ronaldo in his in his prime. You know yeah. the original sort of um, yeah. Ronaldo, uh, the way he sort of burned past the defender and then just a high school finish across the keeper. It was beautiful, really. Yeah, passing, vision, scoring all this season has been ludicrous uh, for Mbappe. Just such a joy to watch. Have a real gem on our hands there. Um, and yeah, this is this is a disaster, by the way, this Monaco game. I mean, my God, we, we legitimately, <laughs> it's 10 minutes in. We could be, arguably should be 2-0 up with the Diaby chance. And like, it's just, oh my God. Yeah, it's terrible. For, for, they have 14 injured players. Monaco. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's it's guys okay. I've never heard of, yeah, ever heard of. It's, and I un- it's unfortunate. I won't I won't deny that it's unfortunate, but it does feel like a Gary Neville situation where like he this dude is an assistant coach <laughs> yeah. for however long. He's a legendary player, and you just kind of you give him the shot, and I guess whatever being an assistant coach is in England is like getting milk for the players or something because they don't <laughs> seem to do well. When they, they graduate the, to the big boy job. No, I was just going to say, assistant coach, they just put the cones out and sort of uh, pat them on the back and tell <laughs> yeah. them what a great job they're doing. So it's probably not a good training, really. Um, the the thing about these games that I found really amusing is that, so Cavani being dropped for the Napoli game is obviously sort of an, it's it's a decision of the coach. And that, that makes sense because of the, the form and the, the lack of integration into the build-up play, which had been widely criticized. Um, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of drama behind it. Whereas Rabio, I feel like this was the flimsiest of pretenses just to drop him. And then as soon as that happened, Emery like just took an inch. He, he took an inch and he took a mile. Um, you know, he, he disciplined Rabio in a small sense and then he managed to drop him, which nobody's really been able to do uh, for, for the past two years. <laughs> Um, and you know I've always been a big Rabio apologist, but it's been it's been awful. Uh, it has not been good. Um, wait, wait, did he get it again? Yeah, no, they uh, validated um, Kevin's second goal. He's had yeah. two little celebrations <laughs> in the same circle. Whoa, what, a, <laughs> what a weird game. Um, just, that was right. a really long VAR break. Yeah. They were just like everyone looked a bit baffled. <laughs> So yeah, for for those who are watching at home, uh, at this point, Cavani has the game has taken like a five minute water break, to, so we can decide if Cavani's goal went in for the second time. Uh, VAR is certainly not at its most elegant, especially when you can't really tell if it's being used. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was amusing that um, that Rabio like just never got his spot back after being late for the pregame speech. Um, and from what I can, from what probably everyone is saying, you know, Draxler is a far, far superior uh, replacement, and that surprised me because we remember the Lachelso experiment. Uh, Gio, by the way, scored the winning goal uh, against Barcelona, as far as I, as far as I can tell today. Uh, so you know, animo, my friend. Did, uh, did you see the tweet that Betis put out where he was basically dressed as a king sitting on the throne? I think it was like the, um, I think it was a response to saying Barcelona did with Messi, but they were like, hey, we've got an Argentinian king too. Yeah. And there was the Celso on the throne with a yeah. sort of scepter and uh, yeah, made me a little bit sad as well, actually. I mean, it's so, it's so ridiculous, right? That it, it's 
this what what Lachelsea fans are experiencing right now is the exact same thing that Pastore fans like myself were going through <laughs> from 2014 to like 2016, and that like that constant pining for something more beautiful and something greater. <laughs> and, and this let's, one, let's, it's let's, let's talk about let's talk about it. Though. Let's put things in in perspective. Um, of course, Tuchel was probably a little bitter to to let Los Celso go. Yeah. Um, apparently, Los Celso wanted to some guaranteed playtime, and um, oh, Drexler! Ooh. Seriously, we can't. He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't play. He wouldn't play. We can't. We can't have a. He's not a six. He's not an eight. He's, he's kind of a ten. He's a ten. We can a modern ten. We can defend a bit as a ten, and there's no there's no spot for him. I mean, there would be here and there if we had sold Di Maria. <laughs> no, and, uh, exactly. If we had Di Maria, and imagine Paris Saint Germain right now without Di Maria, we'd be in so much trouble. So, uh, David, I mean, you have you have to. I don't have, have to, to do a thing. thing. He's he's um, <laughs> he's super helpful right now. But anyway, so yeah, it's sad to see Lo Celso, but we knew he was a good ten, you know, already. And uh, but this is this is how it is. That's this life. is how it is. That's we uh, we have a ten. His name is Neymar. Um, he's a little better than No Celso. Little, uh, but yeah, it, it it feels a little, uh, you know, strange to see No Celso shine at at Betis mm. immediately. We were we were talking about um, the midfield change. And I was I was saying so we got into the Lachelso thing, and you know that naturally it's a tragedy. But the the hands were tied with financial fair play, and I, I understand that. Uh, my my uh, Monaco stream has gone down, so I'm very distraught. But um, really, my point is that when we had previously seen that sort of three man midfield converting uh, somebody like Draxler or Lacelso to play the 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 six was kind of an exercise in ball retention. And if we didn't retain the ball, then it was just a horrible, horrible, horrible disaster. Um, and now you see that three-man, that, that three-at-the-back formation with the three center backs, and that actually provides just enough of a base for a midfield two of Draxler and Verratti, who are not necessarily physically imposing, but they do have the wherewithal and the mental the mental acumen on the field to know when to keep the ball, when to release it, when to make a conservative pass. And that was, that was one of Lacelso's faults in this, in the system is that he is a 10 and he would just lose the ball. And even Lasana Diara is a really ambitious dribbler. So you have a couple of, of sort of players that will relay back and forth through the midfield and yeah sure we see less of Verratti and we will see a lot of people complain about that is that Verratti is one of the most creative players on this team and in the role that he's playing right now he doesn't get to play those splitting balls anymore but the fact is the team is playing better and that's another thing that I sort of liked about these these two games leading up to the Napoli one is that Di Maria sort of tucked in on that on sort of the right right side of the field played a lot in like the half space and he, he for the first couple games really in 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 a PSG shirt as far as i can tell he was really honest to god a system player and he wasn't he wasn't going in for going into business for himself at any point during these fixtures which i really 
I really enjoyed. <laughs> um, you know, this is a player who has great technical technical ability and who can integrate himself well into a side, and I think that's a really good way to utilize him. Well, like like I said, um, he, I don't. Yeah, he's a, a little bit of a system player, but he is defending sort of well using his uh, his activity on the pitch, which is huge. So he's, he's, he, he comes back, tracks back, cuts passing lines. He does a lot defensively. He's not a great tackler. In duels, you know, he's going to be uh, often beaten. But just by tracking back, he helps the team. He helps uh, the team stay balanced and, and defensively sort of compact. And that's huge because he's one of the, you know, also great passers of, uh, of the team. And he, even if... Um, offensively, his role has been reduced a bit. Well, he still can, from time to time, deliver an assist or uh, you know a screamer goal like against Napoli, and that's very uh, helpful oh, and that's man. helping him. But the real, I think, the real system guy, and that's the reason why uh, Rabiot has been benched, is uh, is Draxler. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and Tuchel is. Um, I mean, look at Draxler had a good game against Marseille, um, good game against Lille, a decent against Napoli. Not as not as great because when he, he disappears, because well, he's not he's not a, d- a defensive midfielder. That's not in his DNA, and he doesn't. He's not going to go, you know, in the trenches and 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 physically save the team. He doesn't do that, but. Um, we've improved, we stayed more compact, we have a better defensive structure, and Draxler does something that Lo Celso and Arabio cannot do, is he doesn't hold the freaking ball. He does what uh, Mota used to do, the right pass to the right guy at the right time. Of course, he's not Mota, um, but he has a, one of the highest football IQs in the team, and right now he's fitting that role really well, uh, which is um, to keep us balanced and, and compact and at the same time um, help the, the first step of the attacking transition at Paris Saint-Germain. It's not fantastic, but it, it like you said, it's sort of working. And, and when we'll talk, talk about the Napoli game, the first half um, was, was a great um, example of that. We completely dominated Napoli at Napoli during the first half. Um, so Tuchel, Tuchel, Tuchel is going somewhere with this. Well, I, th- I think like just to sort of add to your points, uh, Guillaume, about um, Draxler and, and Di Maria, I think uh, we saw, I think the Lille game for me was the best we've played all season in sort of for 90 minutes. I think Lille are a good team. You look at them, they're well set up for sort of success in Liga and they're very strong at the back, very compact, good sort of two midfielders in front of the back four and then you've got sort of pace and power up front with uh, Pepe and uh, Jonathan Bamba and uh, Liao not as much on that occasion but these guys you know they're a dangerous team and I think we played really well throughout the 90 minutes and I think a lot of that came through the midfield uh, with Traxler and Verratti looking uh, really good and um, I think as well with Di Maria I think it's easy to forget that when he was at um, Real Madrid um, he played quite effectively as part of a midfield three 
in the, I think it was the 2014, the first Champions League that they won uh, when he was man of the match in the final and blah, blah, blah. So I think while we've sort of always looked at him as a bit of a luxury who doesn't track black and blah, blah, he obviously does have that capability in him. And if Tuchel's going to be the man to uh, to get it out of him, then uh, then more power to him. But there's certainly there's certainly that that potential there, which we've hopefully started to see now. But yeah, I think um, overall the sort of, the performance in the Lille game was sort of light years away from how we played against Marseille. It was really impressive, really joined up sort of performance, real sort of team effort. And I think it was a well-deserved win against, against good opponents. Best uh, game of the season by, by Eons. Um, this is how I want, uh, I want Paris Saint-Germain to play. Uh, control. So control doesn't necessarily mean possession of the ball. Um, you, can, you can have control over a game without having 70% possession. You need, of course, a little bit of possession. And we did everything well in this game. First, we completely shunned uh, Lille's um, forwards, which are super scary. Um, Bamba, Pepe, Ikone. Well, Ikone is not too scary. Uh, they're <laughs> they're um, Leao, uh, the, the striker. Rafael Leao, I don't know if I pronounce his name well. Um, I mean, they are, they're all very confident, Lille, and they play as a team. They are a typical League One team, um, extremely, extremely physical. I mean, my goodness. And um, more than anything for me, it's the way we completely shun their, their uh, attacking trio. They had a nightmare of a game, and we shunned them by uh, sticking to Tuchel's tactics. Uh, We we crowded them. Um, Meunier, uh, first of all, Meunier is having, thank God for Meunier right now. (laughs) But it makes sense. It makes sense because he's really used to play in a 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 with the uh, Belgian national team. And he's great at this because that gives him a little bit more time. He's a big guy. Meunier or zero to twenty miles an hour is not the he's not Mbappe. Uh, he's a big guy, and now he has a bit more time. He, he arrives um, running to the actions. He has a little bit more time because now there's more time. There's more people in midfield. Everybody's a little less behind uh, the the uh, other team. We, they all have more a, a fraction of a second more to react which is great for Meunier because then, you know, he's great in duels. He's uh, technically very gifted. He looks always, he plays with his head up, always looks up and see what else is happening on the pitch. So now he's a, he's a midfielder. He's sort of a midfielder, sort of a, a, a right back, both at the same time. That's exactly who he is, and that's working. Bernat... Was, was gaining confidence. I'd, I'd, um, had a couple of really good games, and now we're seeing the good side of Bernard because now with three in the back, there's a there's a monster behind him, Kerrer, to uh, you know to cover him. So he's, he's playing a little less stressed out because you know defensively, well, he, he sucks. But now he's got a guy behind him, so now he's he's also a little less behind his opposition and contributes more to the team. So we are seeing a really fine 
tuning of Tourelle's Paris Saint-Germain is um, is brilliant. I really, really like what he's doing. Um, he's doing everything he can to get the best out of the players he, he has uh, and, and get the best team possible without having a defensive midfield. And this may be the only solution um, is it going to be enough to get us out of the Champions League conference group? <sighs> we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, if if it is, though uh, now I'm talking about you know other subjects. But if it is, maybe the club will will take a risk in the winter transfer window and spend a little money with the possible consequences. We you know we we know. FFP and all that stuff. Uh, but then maybe we get a real decent international level DM. And now we have a team. Now we have a team, guys. So I'm being uh, probably too optimistic. Something, some drama is going to happen again. This is Paris Saint Germain. But, um, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Right. A lot of lot of FC Hollywood stuff going on right now, and we we're very Oof. strongly considering doing. Um, um, so when we're going to do a Liverpool preview pod, uh, as is tradition, we tend to try to do those in in um, in collaboration with somebody else, which we we might um, we might get around to doing during the international break. But uh, we may also use that time to address some of these leaks, uh, financial and legal, uh, that have been have been released in recent time, allegations against PSG, things like that, um, because there are quite a few floating around, um, and I'm sure Guillaume has a lot to say on those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, you know, uh, the discussions we're having are in uh, football forums with, uh, you know, 17-year-old teenagers who suddenly think there are some financial marketing and 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 geopolitics experts and um but they are in that state of mind that you know that's good and evil and right and wrong and that's not what it is the 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 ffp is um is legal stuff um it's it's a legal matter and legal matter is is all about lawyers negotiation so it's it's of course it is a negotiation and uh, in negotiations, uh, oh, you know, that. you, you, oh, what? come on. What's up? Hey, What's happening? Almost, almost point. Well, he had a point blank chance and it looked offside, but it looks like it wasn't called mm-hmm. at least. Oh boy. So long story short, um, it's lawyers negotiating, negotiating with lawyers. And, um, <laughs> and then it's, 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 uh, uh, football presidents negotiating with the, the European instances of the football associations. And it's blah, 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 my lawyer, your lawyer. And that's what's happening. Of course, the UEFA came to Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain and said, this is what we think is happening and this is what we think you should do. And then both clubs, you know, said, well, all lawyers think that this and think that that. And then they come to a compromise. And then the media gets hold of it and and now process the whole thing through a right or wrong filter, evil and good filter. And now, you know, you're looking at the whole story into a, a, a 
stupidity filter and <laughs> and and this is nonsense. And this is nonsense. Which is uh, why we're so, we're doing a whole separate podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Glad, and then I'm, I'm done talking about it. We'll do a whole <laughs> podcast and ask me again. But this is very frustrating. Yeah. Very, very I'm, frustrating. I'm glad you didn't have too much to say about it. Again, uh, <laughs> two minutes. I did two minutes on it. It's good. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about Napoli because it's been ages and we still haven't done it. Uh, although that's partially because we had some weird technical issues this time. It's, it's a bit of a cursed cursed episode. Um, right, so Napoli came. No Cavani, no Rabiot. Uh, so just as, just as was foretold. Uh, my first question is, should we have won? Because everyone that I talked to it said they were annoyed by that game. And I can't use any other, uh, any other word. Uh, you know, like any big Champions League Champions League performance with PSG, there's always the referee to talk about. And you know, our soccer does not like does not like PSG, but you know it's bad when you go to the post match thread on Reddit Soccer, and it's all like, "Wow, that was the worst referee I've ever seen in my life." Um, but it's should we have won? It it's what are still the biggest weaknesses in this team? In particular, I mean, Thiago Silva big mistake in a big game uh weaknesses out wide the the wings were not pretty uh, a lot of the game um is this the style of play that you have the most confidence in which seems like that's what we're getting at uh with the other with the other games that we've talked about but uh is this is this a promising style of play or would you rather see a switch back with different personnel to sort of a 4-2-3-1 system so feel free to jump in with whatever point you want there um well that's yeah there's a lot to get through there um i think in terms of the formation i think yes i think guillaume's put it quite eloquently i think tuchel has looked at what he's got and he's trying to make the best of it and i think we've got quite a lot of good center-back options especially with the sort of emergence of nsoki and the sign of kera etc and we've also got fullbacks who are better possibly going forward than backwards certainly in the case of bernat who i mean i don't know i mean you know, he still looks a bit ropey to me, goal aside and sort of uh, a few nice runs. I'm not really sure I'd like him very much in a back four. And then Munier on the on the other side, for the reasons Guillaume's explained, I think um, plays quite well in this formation. So I think yes. And I think what we saw in the Napoli game was sort of what we can do potentially, because I think it was a really good performance. And I think annoyance 100% the, the word to describe it, because I think nine times out of ten if you saw that sort of performance you would expect us to win especially with the individual quality we have up front and I think um, maybe it wasn't Mbappe's best game obviously missed a really good chance near the end and um, you sort of think normally you'd expect him to stick that away and uh, and uh, we'd have had three points and the group would be looking a lot different especially with the uh, sort of result in um, in Belgrade um, so yeah so I I think overall, I thought we played quite well. I mean, I know some people were sort of uh, dubious about Buffon and whether he might be a good signing. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. I remember, I think someone on this podcast called him some old guy. I mean, I don't know who that was, but um, uh, obviously an idiot because, uh, you know, I thought he had a good game and I really felt for him with the penalty because I think Silva sort of sold him a bit down the river with that one. Um but other than that, he had a good game and I thought we sort of generally played quite well. Um, and yeah, just, just one of those things. I think the referee, I mean, I don't really like talking about referees because we all, we yeah. have good games and you get bad games well, from referees, like, don't you? I like, but I like yeah. About but um, yeah, 
we're <laughs> okay well maybe we'll keep that up our sleeves but just to say we we've got some previous with this guy you might remember because all those latinists were like tweeting me during the game that he was he was the one who sent ibra off at uh stanford bridge in the oh, in the chelsea fabulous. game that we went on to um to well draw and then go through didn't we but um yeah so i don't think he's on nasa's christmas card list anyway because we should have the penalty shouldn't win the second half the sort of burnout one but um i think all those little things it seemed to be all the little things didn't quite go for us in this game but i am generally quite heartened by how we played especially considering how bad we were against napoli the first time around yeah and hey say what you will about bernat but if that game had gone in in a proper way then he would have not only scored the goal but he would have won the penalty for the yep. for the go ahead, so you know, hey, my man, he's still. I would still take Ansoki over him twelve times out of the week, uh, but you know, I don't know what the heck. Pardon me, uh, Ansoki has to do to stay to stay in this team. I mean, it's just absurd. Um, go ahead, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about Burnett. I mean, you know, he's uh, Tuchel is uh, with his players all week, and every day there's a. Tr- there's a training session and he sees things that we don't. Um, but again, of course, Burnett knows he sucks defensively. And of course, he feels less stressed out with a uh, really, really dynamic and efficient uh, central defender behind him. And um, another thing we barely mentioned, but guys, Carer. Yeah, oh, my. Been, he's been oh, my. Oh, my. He's been great. He got a yellow um, very quickly against Snapwoody, and I was like, oh, my God. No, 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 no. He adapted. He, he, he's, uh, he's stepping out, and uh, he's, he's, he's helping the team so much. Without Carroll, we couldn't do uh, three in the back, period, period. Also, Kimpembe is having a difficult season. Uh, he lost confidence. And uh, he's going to need a little bit of time. And, and, and Tuchel is going to reintegrate him step by step. He got also um, a red, so he's suspended in League One. Um, so Kerr is saving us. And he's um, in that system. Guillaume. having <laughs> What? Oh, oh. oh <laughs> a bottom. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Kerr has been, has been fantastic. And and he's bringing that what something we're missing in in general, which is the physicality, you know, dynamic, uh, impactful player with a little bit of football IQ. We don't have much of that at all. Um, so Bernat is feeling be- better because because of that. And and here is in a very, cr- I mean, one of the most important games of Paris Saint Germain history, the Napoli PSG. If if we had lost that game guess that was it but yes we should have won the game we should have won the game uh, when you when you hear people saying well yeah but you know napoli in the second half they had 10 minutes and they completely crushed you sure um but uh, you know they're playing at home they're a really good team champions league grade uh, of course they're gonna do that to us but in the scheme of things there was one of the most obvious penalties I've ever seen <laughs> since I've been watching football. And you see the ref. The ref is right there. He's looking at the, the, the whole action and he's not calling it. Why do you think he's not calling it? Why do you think he's not? 
calling it back and to the left. Seriously, seriously, that's no. I mean, it, it has to be. It has to be said. And uh, is it the first time it's happening in a very important Champions League game for Paris Saint Germain? Is it the second time? Is it the third, the fourth, the fifth? It's pretty much every single very important game with, with, when there's a 50-50 call, nine times out of ten, it's for the opposition, not for us. When there's obvious calls, remember the Di Maria at Barca. What do you think after running you know, 30 meters towards goal, suddenly his shot was about 20 meters off the goal because he's a terrible football player or because his foot got hit in the back by Mascherano because his foot got hit in the, in, you know, while he was arming his shot. That's a penalty kick. Didn't give it. Um, it, it <sighs> this is it. So, uh, you know, here we go. Oh, conspiracy theories. Look at the facts. How many times it happened to Paris Saint-Germain? For how, how many years? Um, when did we get a penalty call in the Champions League? I don't actually don't remember. Do you Ooh. guys remember when we got a, a penalty kick in our favor uh, in the Champions League? I feel like I ought to remember that, huh? I'm sure we did. I mean, I can barely remember what happened last week, so there's literally no chance for me to remember that. <laughs> yeah. But um, we just scored against Monaco again. Lovely goal from Draxler. A little give and go with Neymar. Oh, it's lovely. Just maybe a little bit offside, but anyway, not to Diaby. worry. Diaby nearly scored as well, which would have been great for him. It would have been a great little counter. But yeah. My um, stream is behind your stream. It's yeah. still too nerve for me. Well, it wasn't Neymar. It was in Kunku. Sorry, Christoph. Uh, but <laughs> it's a good goal. He had a shot earlier and Kunku, incredible shot. Uh, oh, yeah, you go, Draxler, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, conspiracies, conspiracies. Something's, something's wrong, something's wrong. But UEFA is saying, oh, well, we are um, looking into bringing VAR for the second part of the Champions League. Great, we probably won't be in the second part of the Champions <laughs> <laughs> So, but for the following season, maybe. Oh, yeah, so we, we should have won the game. I, um, I was hoping we would. I said we, we, we could win in, in Napoli. Um, the first half was fantastic. Then, then Ancelotti knows what to do. Uh, up the pressure in midfield to, you know, uh, because Paris Saint-Germain doesn't have any defensive midfielders that will e e be able to buffer that raise in, in dynamism and activity in the midfield uh, and pressing. And that's what happened. And um, Thiago Silva, sure, sure, he did. Uh, he did uh, but guys, the number of goals Thiago Silva saved and incredible inter intervention he did in the square. This season, he had, he had a great season. Um, it's more visible in a, in a game with that pressure, but that's also when these type of things happen uh, more because you're under more pressure and um, it's regrettable. And yes, it's not the first time, but let's not forget uh, how absolutely amazing he can be also. Um, remember the bomb bombardment we had against uh, last season at, at, at home against uh, Bayern Munich. And how many crosses they had, and he was 
imperial. Um, so he can be imperial. Too bad he made this mistake because he was having a great game and, and he still had a decent game. But um, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you, David, when you say, you know, again, a critical game where Thiago Silva messed up. Well, yeah, remember the Chelsea game. He messed up with, you know, handball. But then he had those two incredible headers. That's always, Overall, that's, that is always what, what, we, what we're supposed to say is remember the Chelsea game. But, you know, you can only live on that for so long. No, he had a great season. Um, he had he had very decent games, um, uh, so I'm I'm still a big fan. I'm still a big fan of, of Thiago Silva. Yes, um, he's not the best central defender in the history of football, but he's up there. He's he's, um, he's by far by far our best central defender. Still. I, I I mean I agree with that that he is he's been a great servant for us. But I do think there's a conversation to be had around his role in the team. Not because I agree with you. I don't. I'm. The mistake thing doesn't really worry me. I mean, players make mistakes, don't they? I don't think it's particularly he's particularly worse than anyone else. But I do think that his style of play is a bit... It sort of sets the tone for the whole defence, and he sort of defends the edge of the box with his life, and he does it brilliantly. We've seen so many like last-ditch tackles or headers, like you say. There's loads of examples of it. But I do wonder at his... If we're going to play three at the back, whether we need, like basically three like much more dynamic players there you sort of see Kara and um Kim Pembe when he's on form and um you know uh Marquinhos uh you know can play a play maybe not the best passer but certainly a bit more sort of adventurous going forward and then you see sort of Silva really sort of holds the line and one of the recurring patterns we've seen over the years with our Champions League failures is that we usually get sucked back onto the edge of our own area and we sort of we end up getting overrun just because the sheer pressure tells in the end. And I wonder if a lot of that comes from the fact that Silva's the one leading the back four or the back five, and that's the way he likes to play. And I do think that's possibly something for for Tuchel to consider. But um, I'm not sure how you phase out Thiago Silva really because it's you know he's a big guy at the club, isn't he? What, what he's trying to avoid is to be in one uh, one v one against uh, a striker, any central defender, especially now. He's trying to avoid that. So I disagree with you because I think actually three at the back with Silva as a, a central defender slash sweeper is perfect. He's got, he's, he's, he's the guy releasing the hounds, Kimpembe and, and Kerr, who can hit, they can, they can leave their base and go hit the, especially, um, uh, when you have strikers uh, like Napoli had, who, who are not pure nines, and they move around, they 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 play as, as fake nines. They come back in midfield, and they they they're going to play between the lines. When you have Silva as a as a sweeper, then he can command his defense and launch care, and suddenly you see. Uh, 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 Insigne in the middle of of the pitch, and who's right behind him? It's Kerr hitting him. Boom! And he's 25, 30 meters away from Silva. Um, this can happen when Silva covers as a sweeper, and he's he's a phenomenal sweeper. So this, to me, works. What's not perfect is we have no buffer before, right before the central defense. Imagine now we have a Casimiro. Well, okay, I'm taking the best. We have we have a Krichowiak. physical, a physical, <laughs> no, a dynamic, excellent in duels, uh, defensive minded, 
great tackler, uh, good in the air, um, and of course playing for Paris Paris Saint Germain. So you need a good football IQ too. Right before Silva, then 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 we have a great system. Well, we don't have that player. So what do you do? Um, you're gonna you're gonna play high. You're gonna you know push high your entire central defense. No, you can't do that. If you're bitten, that's it. It's a goal. So uh, you know it might be also why Silva has been um, prone to defend low all those years because he had Papi Thiago uh, Mota as a six, and Mota's top speed is what seven miles an hour. <laughs> So if Mota's beaten, then it's one-on-one against Silva or, or Marquinhos. So there you go. Um, I, we'll never know for sure because uh, you know, I, I personally don't watch Brazil play uh, on a regular basis. And when Silva is, is, gets a call and Casimiro is there, I, you know, I don't know exactly how Brazil plays. Um, I should, but I don't. So it might be one of the reasons why we have uh, 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 that type of defense at Paris Saint-Germain, or we had that type of defense for all these years, uh, but Tuchel is changing this. Uh, now we have, a, we have a defense that seems to be working, but of course we are still missing a buffer in front of the defense. And if we, let's say we get this guy, somehow all this negativity in this strange season, what a strange season, uh, goes away. Uh, the club puts 30 to 40 million euros in, uh, in January. And we get, we get that guy, that big guy. We can play football. Fabinho would have been great. Uh, some, some, someone like this. Would Silva still defend that low? Hmm. I'm not that sure at all. Not sure at all. I guess the point that I'm trying to make with that. Um, and, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time on the defense question, but I think that is very much where we're at because God knows PSG, we don't need another forward. Um, you know, it's a matter of balancing the midfield and defense, and that's why three at the back probably is the best compromise just given the amount of personnel that we have. Um, but, you know, you look at these games, and in the first game where we didn't play well in the first half at all, deserved to not win it on that performance, but the second half still easily could have won the game with the chances created. Uh, but the difference is last-ditch tackles, blocks, interceptions, interventions. Kalidou uh, Koulibaly, I think is how you say his name. I mean, just mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. madhouse player. Is, my, is the best center back in the friggin' world. I mean, he's, he's, he's my amazing. ideal. He's incredible. He's amazing. He's amazing. And if you look at the, the, the standard of play that we always we always find ourselves falling back on, the same talking points, is that, well, if we, only, if we had only defended better. But in those moments of key interventions, really, all it takes is a couple little lapses from our center backs, and we've lost a clean sheet, and we've lost a key result. Whereas, you know, with a team like Napoli, who were on the back foot for relatively a much longer amount of time they always had those cbs ready to defend alert and and defending um and it's it 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 was the exact same thing in both games where when somebody needed to be there they were there and it was usually kulibali when here when somebody needed to be there it usually was it's kind of 50 50 whether they're gonna get it right um 
and it's just it's frustrating because for me my my take on this system is that like putting so much responsibility into the hands of these three elegant center backs i mean Carrer is a bit more of a of a physical player but you know Marquinhos and and Thiago Silva certainly have a a bit of a bit of a, a bourgeois air about them um you know i would i would rather have those two holding mids the only thing is we don't have two holding mids <laughs> but in, <laughs> well yes Dave. in the in the long term i don't i don't know if i want to see a three at the back system be standard in this team um if nothing else, just because the, the center backs that we're anchoring it around uh, probably would do better, um, sort of with that with that additional central um, central like player player load, I guess the 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 density of the central central position. But we agree that right now it's probably the best solution. Yeah, definitely. I'm just saying long term. I think I view it as a little sure. bit more of a problem. Sure, there's um, no, there's nothing wrong being flexible, playing yeah. with four in the back, three in the back, whatever, adapting to the the, the opposition. Yeah. And I mean, Munier, um, Munier can do anything he's asked for. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what you guys are saying. Uh, Munier can. He's do been, it all. he's been great. He's been great. <laughs> um, he's been so good. Put him up front. And um, Alves is coming back, guys. Yeah. And in that system, <laughs> no, 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 no. In this system, um, he's uh, he can. He can play um, Verity's position. So, because Verity, <laughs> and we haven't talked about Verity at all, and he's struggling a little bit because he's been used to a 4 3 3. He's been used to a possession uh, game, and he's losing all his, all his landmarks. And he has to reinvent himself, and yeah. um, he will because he's a, he's, a, he's a fantastic football player. But uh, he he's seemed a little lost. And uh, that's going to take a lot of work by Tuchel and his staff to reinvent Marco Verratti. But, and also he's coming back from a semi-serious injury and, and surgery. Yeah. But, um, and he's fragile physically. And he smokes. And he's five drinks. foot one. I was going to say, maybe, maybe we should stop this line of chat before we go into dubious <laughs> waters. But it's quite interesting you talk about Verratti because um, during the Napoli game, I saw two or three English pundits basically heaping praise on Verratti and Draxler, who obviously, while they were watching the Napoli game, and I, I did think it was quite interesting how differently they, you know, people who don't watch our midfield every week probably see it and probably think... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how impressive they're looking, whereas we probably think there's, you know, definitely some improvement to be made there. So I just felt thought that was quite interesting. But it's the best we've seen uh, when Draxler can play like this. Um, but what I'm talking about, um, any any coach now is going to say, OK, well, you know, up the, 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 the pressing and Draxler is going to melt. Um, but it, it, it has worked in a couple of very, very important games, especially the Napoli game. And Draxler stepped up, and he's a sort of system player now. And we saw a relationship, Draxler-Verati, and he's very promising. Um, if he can get us out of the, the conference, the group, in the Champions Leagues, hallelujah. But it's not, it's not going to work against a great team in a win-or-go-home uh, game uh, because they, the the opposition wouldn't know what to do. So without that buffer, 
that I've been talking about for this past 28 years. The lack of defensive freaking midfielder in Paris Saint-Germain. There's nowhere we're going to... We're not going to go anywhere. Um, but if we can get out of the conference, there's a little hope that some positive things happen at the club and we get that player. And now, guys, we, if we have that player... The whole team is changed. The whole team is changed. Now we have that player that can give yet another fraction of a second to its central defense. And in transitions, defensive and attacking transitions, those fractions of a second are key, are critical. And um, now we have a team, we have a, a collective, um, we have a, now we real contenders. Um, Right now, we are not. We are not in the 10 best teams in Europe. We're not. I, yeah, okay. I mean, that's, I guess that's fair. <laughs> oh, uh, first half reflection on Monaco. I do want to add that uh, that lovely Draxler goal uh, was disallowed. And that makes, that means the Lions, <laughs> the, the Lions <laughs> has gone 0 for 3. <laughs> On, on goals, every single one has been either awarded uh-huh. or disallowed by VAR. Um, you know, this is a system that, that really, you have uh-huh. to do it. it. There's no getting away from it. I mean, the, the referee mistakes are just getting more and more prominent and visible. I'm sure it's always been uh-huh. this way, but it's just crazy. It's like there's a round table. <laughs> you know, every, every critical uh, action on the pitch... You have people around the table. It's like, well, okay, I think, uh, yeah, it's um, it's not it's not working really well, VAR. But it needs um, it needs to be used to be improved. Yeah. So that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> or you could just not use it, and we could just suck it up. But anyway, let's not get into a long VAR discussion because uh, this podcast will like five hours yeah oh by the way by the way i uh, will be in uh, parc des princes uh on the 25th of november so uh yeah first time in uh two, uh, 14 years you should That's ask long... for a, you should ask for a press pass well i'm <laughs> I'm going to try to contact you-know-who, who was on the podcast recently, uh, and si- she sits with the ultras. Uh, I'm not going to get a press pass, but um, <laughs> I'm going to try to record as much as I can on my phone of the game, of the fans. Uh, I will be sitting with my friends in, in Auteuil, right above the, the ultras. Oh, yeah. Um, See, I was... I always get tickets in the Boulogne end, so uh, well, I say always, but the last few times I've been, so we're basically rivals, Guillaume, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll do the, the famous Auteuil-Boulogne uh, uh, exchange, you yeah, and I, Matt. Exactly. What a good idea. That sounds like a great feature. We should do that every week. <laughs> in English. In English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's exciting. Uh, I'm... I'm so grateful that you know I had the opportunity to do this, and uh, yeah, if I can, um, maybe I'll see uh, our prestigious uh, host—no, no, not host—guest um, 
But anyway, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll report back. I'll be back on early December. Well, I will say that regarding the Liverpool game, I am more confident than I was against Napoli. Um, I think this team can play in a big game. I think they're ready to do it. Uh, I will say I think it's going to be a total crap show. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a good game. <laughs> I don't think the, the standard of football, the, the stakes are so high. You yeah, know, it the, doesn't have to be. Yeah, the, final, the final of the World Cup is almost always the worst game. And, you know, it's just like that. Uh, this, it's, it's one of those things where the margins are going to be so tight and it's going to be scrappy. But I really do think um, that, that we can win this one. Uh, and that would be really good. Uh, I do want to ask one more little general question. I know we've been trying to cut these a little shorter, uh, but um, just just for posterity's sake, do any of us think that Rabio or Cavani are getting full time back into this team? I know Rabio probably we can already say like, oh no, I'd rather not see him back until he really gets his act together. But uh, what about Cavani at least? Um, do, do you see a few? Because he came on against Napoli, and I was thinking like, oh, okay, Napoli supporters love him, we love him. Why don't why doesn't why don't they just let him score and send the fans home happy? Uh, but <laughs> um, we could have they could have let him score an own goal, and then uh, at least some people would have been happy. Probably not us. So, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I mean, he came on, and he, he was. It, I sort of predicted it would end with a Cavani back pass in the 95th minute, and that's kind of what happened. Like, it was the most underwhelming sub-appearance ever. Um, so what do we think about him? With Cavani, I think it's a bit more complicated because you can't really argue with his goal output and also his work rate, and I kind of think that Tuchel probably likes that. I mean, who wouldn't like that as a coach? But I think of the in the general team player, I think it's obvious that Mbappe and, uh, and Neymar link up really nicely and it's not always the same when Cavani's there. I mean, I don't want to go into this whole narrative of oh, Cavani doesn't get on with Neymar and blah, 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 and do they like each other's Instagram posts and all that nonsense. <laughs> but I do think that he sort of, he can slow us down a bit. But So I don't know. Um, it's a big one, isn't it? A big one, big call for Tuchel to make and he's got quite a few of these uh, throughout the team. But um I think that it's it's easy to see him being, particularly away from home, being left out of the team for big games because where you need to soak up a lot of pressure and hit on the break and be really precise in those counter-attacks, really quick and really clinical, I think they're things where in the past you would sort of, Cavani's detractors, and I have been one of them at times, would sort of, you know, say he's, he's let himself down in terms of his sort of, uh, you know, his finishing... Uh, on the big occasion and also some of his, you know, some of his link up players and always the smoothest. Um, so I think that he'll definitely continue to play in quite a lot of games. And obviously he's playing at the moment against Monaco, particularly in Liga where you're, you know, where his sort of movement and his sort of heading ability and things like that are, you know, are going to, going to be important. But I think we could see particularly in the sort of champions league away, I think we could see him being phased out. And um, in terms of Rabio, I mean, I, I literally don't care. Look, I actually don't care. Just whatever, Rabio. just coming back into the team, leave us, just do what you like. I'm going to try and ignore you for the rest of, of your his, life. All of his Stupid little man. All of Rabio's leverage is gone. I mean, we don't need him. He's no longer the face of this, like, 
you know, the the pretty young little French mm-hmm. boy, uh, you know, now he's getting petulant and people don't like that. He's not he's not really good for marketing at all. He has no no brand potential for PSG. <laughs> even from imagine, the Imagine Brand Rabio. It's just like it's ludicrous. It, it's remarkable because a few weeks ago he had all the leverage he wanted. Yeah. We didn't have enough midfielders. We had absolutely no solution without Rabio, And he was in, uh, he's still in a negotiating phase. As a matter of fact, by law, in January, he'll be a free agent. He'll be uh, able to negotiate um, and sign contracts as soon as January. Um, But now, like you said, David, everything's gone. And this is all to to hell who's helping his club. Yeah. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. Plus we don't uh-huh. we don't need we don't need the youth players because I mean look who's playing right now. It's the forty forty ninth minute at, on my stream in the Monaco game. We have uh Diaby at a converted left wing back and Kunku at right wing back. They're doing fine. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you've got you've got all sorts of youth players, Kimpembe, all of these people. Rabio really is not he he doesn't need we don't need his registration bonus. Well, I mean, it's still hope that and you know he's, we know he can be excellent. Um, he's still young. He can he has many things to learn still and can become a much better uh, midfielder than he is. But if he goes, well, all right, bye, bye, Adrian. <laughs> Uh, Cavani, though, yeah, it's not um... okay. So let's let's look at the Cavani situation. the The team has gained some defensive structure at the cost of Cavani. Well, yes, uh, when we play in in three five two, which is three four three slash three five two three five two, when we lose the ball um, without Cavani, but with Di Maria like against Napoli, it works because Di Maria drops down and his, his high work rate helps the team um, even more, crowding the midfield and cutting um, a passing lines and, and pressing. Um, when we play in with three up front, when Di Maria plays a little uh, higher up uh, on, on, on the left... Well, he's a, he's a much better passer of the ball than, than Cavani. And it works great too. Um, but let's notice that we seem a little bit or a little less um, scary up front when Cavani is not around. Even so, if... It, well, sorry to interrupt, Guillaume, but Cavani's just completed a hat-trick while we're talking about phasing him out of the team. So this <laughs> is quite impressive. Of course, uh, let, let me try to finish my point if I, if I can. Um, just his runs. I mean, the way he opens up defenses, even even if he's in a goal drought or was, um, helps the team so much. And we look so, um, so scarier in many ways when we have a player that can open up a defense for, for Neymar and Mbappe. When he's not around, we lose that. And that's why, in a way, the Lille game was the best of the season. But remember how late we were open to uh, able to score. And, um, well, there's a reason why. Because we didn't have Cavani. But overall, the 
noticeable um, lack of uh, loss of punch up front um, when Kevin is not playing because he's a pure nine and there's a reason why pure nines are so special and, and looked after. Um, overall, the team is more solid without Cavani playing. is is harder to play. Um, we still can rely on Mbappe and Neymar's genius to make a difference. Um, so it's 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 a little difficult to know if if it's a if it's a better thing. We are more solid, but are we going to be able to win critical games by being more solid? Or are we going to be able to win critical games by being scarier up front? It's, uh, it's difficult to know. Um, but my take, and I love... He's my favorite Paris Saint-Germain player. So, I mean, you know, it was, uh, it was, he had me at, he- at hello. Uh, hmm. he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lion... He's a prince. He's, uh, he's incredible. I love Cavani. There's no one like Ed- Edinson Cavani in world football. He's got his own style and, and, and he's been with us for all, all these years and he's a legend of the club. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's still, it's still hard to, to know. You know what's going on? It's it's hard because people want him back. I mean, I, I'm watching now. My stream caught up with uh, with Mats, and I'm seeing like Diaby. Diaby has had a tough game. Uh, he's been yelled at uh, for for <laughs> shooting when he shouldn't have shot. Uh, but he he crossed it across goal to Cavani, and immediately Cavani's just scored his hat trick. A linesman got it right this time, uh, and he immediately points to Diaby, runs over, looks him right in the eye like he's gonna kiss him, and he j- he's just like heaping praise on this young player, you know, like you did it, you got it, you have this, and it's it's that kind of like the man is adored by the by the fans for good reason because mm-hmm. he just he has such a heart that's so visible and he's an endearing i mean he goes back to the middle of nowhere in uruguay and he just wants to he just wants to have a cookout that's all the man wants to do um mm-hmm. and, and so it's hard for me to say like i don't want to see cavani in this team uh, which is probably the biggest reason why I do want to go back to that four-two-three-one uh, is just that right. you know, I feel like if we can get that extra midfielder, you can have Cavani at the tip of this of this uh, this attacking machine. And you're right. And you're right be. because now we have Cavani. We can play in three-five-two, three-four-three, four-two-three-one. We can play with Cavani or without Cavani. He's thirty-three years old. So, you know, he's not going to play 70 games a season anymore. But now if we have a DM, we even have more flexibility. We can go back to, a, a, you know, four in the back. Um, and now for certain games, he, he will totally be needed and we'll have the players and the system to, um, to accommodate him. He's and, and him to not accommodate the team. But, yeah. um, but right now... It's uh, it's a tough call. Uh, there's pros and cons. There's big pros and big cons. <laughs> but and then then he, he, he's he's answering the best way possible. Hat trick. There you go. Here is my gold drought. It's it's pouring down. Now, granted, it's against <laughs> it's against a local high school team. But sure. It's <laughs> sure. It's still a hat trick. It's still a hat trick. And and you look at these games, at these goals. I'm sorry. 
he made them look so easy, but it's all because he's, he's doing the right call at the right time, the right movement. And uh, that's the mindset of a nine, of a pure nine. And when he's not there, well, Neymar is not a pure nine, Mbappé is not a pure nine, and they don't have that, that killer instinct, instinct presence in the square. And, uh, well, there's, there's, they offer, of course, a lot, but not what Kevin he can offer. And he can offer a lot, too. Well, I think that's about all we can squeeze out of this. Um, thank you, both of you, for joining me. It is always a pleasure. The two, uh, probably the two longest serving. I think the three of us are the longest serving ones now. Or did Kose join before Matt? Uh, yeah, well, I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah, Kose probably is, you know, is probably up there too. Yeah, I think Kose, yeah. I think Kose precedes me. Uh... Oh. This is this is still one of the most venerable lineups, so it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Always a pleasure, gents. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, guys. Anytime. Absolutely. Um, so the calendar, uh, what's coming up? Oh, there's an international break, yes. isn't it, coming up? Yes, so there's yeah. going to be the break, and That's then we have PSG hosting Toulouse on Saturday the 24th, and four days later, uh, the November the 28th, game. is the Liverpool game. PSG at home against Liverpool 3 p.m. EST don't miss it folks well let's let's uh, let's wrap up um, you know we've have we have this international break coming up we're gonna do at least a Liverpool preview uh, so watch that space um, while we're addressing that for those of you curious uh, about everyone everyone at PSG talks opinion on racial issues uh, just go ahead and follow any of us on Twitter uh, and you'll get you'll get really the Mark Damon is the uh, is the the epicenter and everyone will everyone sort of pops in when they're needed um, myself included but we will we will address uh, a thing or two um, it is the 60th minute or so of the PSG Monaco game 3-0 up by a, a Cavani hat trick um, I want to especially first of all thank our new patrons on patreon uh you guys have been phenomenal i mean i just i we cannot thank you enough uh our patreon has grown leaps and bounds in the past the past month really Mm -hmm. um we have new supporters since the last episode uh i want to thank uh cole uh at car c-a-r rital uh, I'm not sure how to say your your Twitter username, but thank you so much for following and supporting. Uh, and I want to take I want to thank Kiernan Reynolds at Kiernan underscore twenty two. Uh, both of you, your gifts are so so appreciated, and they will uh, they will go towards uh, first of all helping our very own Make a Wish boy Matt uh, meet his hero before uh, Jeremy <laughs> passes away from uh, Jeremy Menez passes away from having lost an ear. Um, come, come on, guys. <laughs> Just, I'll die happy if we can make this happen. Yeah. So, uh, every getting closer. Understood. I know where he is. Every penny. Together. Every penny is going to go to smuggling Matt into Mexico to meet Jeremy Menes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but seriously, thank you so much for supporting. Um, and if you would, if you would like to uh, join into that illustrious crowd and have your name read out, uh, go to uh, go look up PSG Talk on Patreon or go to psgtalk.com. The link's right there. Um, I also want to say uh, once again, it was in the intro, but remember to tune into FootballNationRadio.com uh, to see us um, 
see us played live in the air. We're huge down under. That's just the facts, folks. Um, if you're, <laughs> if, you're uh, if you're interested in when we're on, uh, just go to footballnationradio.com. They are totally online, always twenty four seven, and the schedule is uh, the schedule is up and uh, often subject to change. So just be sure to check back. Um, and of course, thank you to Matt. Thank you to Guillaume. And well, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Que des numéros 10 dans ma team Negro J'attends pas que ça tombe du ciel Si t'es pas numéro 10 à Paname T'es la banane du siècle Là où j'opère, nombreux seront les victimes Que des numéros 10 dans ma team M'en sache que nos pères, j'me serre et j'observe Imprime nos rimes sur le ring au bulldozer